Hello everybody, I'm HP Braincase. And I'm JR Skinny Cap. And welcome to ReDCAU. Or, for those of you who like your cows straight out of 1970 slasher flicks, Red, Red Cow. Cow. Your DC Animated Universe rewatch podcast. This week on Red Cow, we are doing a special episode of Batman the Animated Series that exists outside of the normal continuity, but can be found around the internet if you know where to look. Uh, this episode is titled, Batman Loves Him a Criminal. And just up top, uh, I've got some notes about the episode, and I think you do as well. Yeah. Just like in episode four, there are some things that are just really way too well animated for the style. And I'll cover those when we get to them, but I just wanted to say that up top. Okay. Note I have is uh, basically the last two episodes were about gas and this one isn't so awesome finally an episode not about gas and the last episode i was really unhappy with shirley's music but she seems to have been let out of arkham asylum (laughs) and and has come to her senses so i'm pretty happy about that that's really good the music's important to me i mean you guys know that yeah, and I can see why this episode wasn't included in the the normal continuity of the show because it deals with some themes that were really sensitive in the 90s. Like, this might be aired today, but yeah, 1992 when this was produced, I can see why it was cut. Yeah. So, the episode begins. We see Bruce Wayne in his office at Wayne Manor. There's a newspaper on the desk that says, Bruce Wayne to host birthday gala to save Gotham University doctorate program. And he is filling out invitations to the birthday party, except he is writing them to the villains. Mm -hmm. So he's addressing them to the Scarecrow and the Joker and all of his villains. Uh, When he gets to the one for the Penguin, Mm -hmm. we actually get treated to a flashback where we see Bruce Wayne and Cobblepot sharing an embrace. And it's implied that there's some sort of romantic connection between them. Yeah. And then they get into an argument about how Cobblepot is turning to a life of crime, and it's, it's breaking Bruce's heart. Yeah. After that, we're treated to a montage of Batman shaking down the different gangs in Gotham to get them to deliver their invitations to the party to their bosses. Yeah, and this is something I thought was kind of odd, because usually Batman is sending criminals to jail, or sometimes the asylum, but this time he's just using them for his own advantages. You know, usually he doesn't do things by the books, but this was even more outside of his norm, I think. Yeah, I agree. It was, uh, it was a little weird. From there, we cut to Bruce preparing the venue for the birthday party. When the Joker shows up and hits him over the back of the head with a lead pipe and goes on to explain that he is a cartoon character in a weekly series with stories about a justice-obsessed vigilante. And then he just leaves. Yeah, yeah. So so first we've got the Joker fourth wall breaking. So that's fun. And then, um, it, you know, I noticed that Joker running away, that's something that he does. That's a strategy that he uses commonly through the series. So far, anyway. Yeah, I mean, he never actually stands up to fight Batman so far as we've seen He uses lackeys, and then when the lackeys fail, he just runs away. Right. After this, Bruce wakes up. The party has to start. He's getting ready to go out there, and the penguin is there, as is Harvey Dent. And the penguin makes a move to attack Harvey Dent. 
And we can see Bruce is torn yeah. about what to do here, but he realizes he has to stop the penguin. And so the next scene we see is Batman swooping in to prevent the penguin from harming Harvey Dent. Penguin is just completely outraged by this. Before you go on, though, I kind of want to point out there's the Bruce Wayne side of him that loves the penguin. But then there's the Batman side of him that feels like, you know, justice and he has yeah, to do the right thing and all that sort of he stuff. He loves justice. Yeah. Yeah. So we get to see a real character dichotomy here. Penguin is outraged that Batman has stopped him and pulls out his umbrella machine gun, which is a classic trope for the Penguin, and just straight up kills Batman. Yeah. Which is really weird, like, unexpected, completely. And you mentioned in the first episode... The one where there was the blood. Yeah, in, it's on the only the time rings. we ever get to see him bleed. So right. He died, but there was no blood. Yeah. So Penguin kills Batman. Then we get this really interesting scene. This episode is full of interesting choices. Yeah. We get this really interesting scene of Batman ascending to heaven on a cloud wearing a white and gold bat suit. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk about the music in this section. Basically, you know, in... Was it the last episode? Where he was sinking in the water. Yeah. And then you've got the notes descending. I really liked that. They did the same thing, but opposite here, where he's ascending to heaven, and so the music is ascending. And it was a lot like a motif that you hear in music called Dresden Amen. And it's been used by Mendelssohn and Wagner and Bruckner. It's ascending to heaven. That's what it means. So, got the trombone. I'm going to do it. Let me know if I'm too loud. Okay. our speech volume but i don't think it was too bad sorry (laughs) sorry uh, if that hurt anybody's ears so surely on point in this episode yeah absolutely so after the the scene where batman ascends to heaven he actually speaks to an angel so that we're really going ham on the religious iconography in this episode yes uh like pearly gates everything the angel however explains to him that he still has work to do in gotham And that it is not his time to die. Yeah. And we smash cut. No lead up to how he got there. We smash cut to Bruce clawing his way out of a Lazarus pit being resurrected. Right. So more biblical reference there. Rising from the dead. And this is the scene I was talking about earlier where it is way too well animated. Like they really, really went hard on a realistic style for this scene. Which... First of all, just doesn't fit the look of the rest of the series. And, I mean, good on you, animators, for making good on our complaint from last episode where we don't get to see Bruce Wayne's nipples. <laughs> but maybe you maybe you should tone it back a little bit next time. Yeah, they got a little fancy. Yeah. Then Bruce, sort of reinvigorated with the thought of justice... As a, as a key component, and he knows that's his purpose now. He's been told that by a heavenly being. Right. Arrests the penguin. We get to see a, a montage where he fights his way through Cobblepot's gang and arrests him. Penguin is amazed to see him. It's a whole thing. And then we get to go back to Wayne Manor, and Bruce takes off the bat suit and goes to sleep. 
And as he's laying his head down on the pillow, we get a sort of almost Wayne's World style dream sequence transition. The animators, I'm just saying, the animators really made their money on this episode. And we see a dream sequence in which Batman and Bruce Wayne are two separate people. Right. It's like in real life, me, I always have dreams about stuff that I stress about and stuff that's related to real life. And I think that's what Batman does. It's realistic. Yeah, so he's he's having this dream where he's able to separate Bruce Wayne from Batman. So Batman in the dream can continue to serve over Gotham and provide the justice that it needs. But Bruce and a third character who enters the dream, the Penguin, can go away together. There's an island off in the distance that looks purely idyllic. And Bruce and the Penguin can go and finally be together away from all of the crime, all of the issues with Gotham, and all of their problems. It's just they can be together. live happily ever after. Yeah. And it looks like that's going to be sort of the end of it, but then Bruce is approached in the dream by an apparition of Barbara Gordon, who hands him a business card that says that she is from the Dream Society. (laughs) She's got a... A European accent of some kind. I don't think they were actually going for an actual country. They just wanted to, like, she's from Europe. Yeah, it's like they got somebody who was bad at making all the European accents. (laughs) And she explains to him that his plan to save Gotham University's doctorate program is actually an incredibly bad idea because of all of his villains that are doctors. And she hands him a file on the Scarecrow, Mr. Freeze, Harley Quinn. Mm -hmm. Meaning this would actually be a backdoor introduction to the Harley Quinn character. If it had aired in the proper order. Right. Bruce is convinced. He wakes up in a cold sweat. And immediately runs over and tears up the newspaper that said he was going to be hosting the gala. Obviously things didn't go over with it properly. It's implied that he won't be hosting the party anymore. Mm -hmm. Then we fade to the credits which we thought was going to be the end of the episode. Yeah, not so much. Yeah. There's an after-the-credits scene. This episode was kind of all over the place. Yeah. I'll talk about that a little bit more, but go ahead. Yeah, there's an after-the-credits scene where the Joker receives an award for, like, fight choreography or something. Yeah. Which all he did was hit Batman over the head with a lead pipe, first of all. Yeah. And... Why does this scene need to be... Th- Why did the Joker need to be in this episode? I feel At like, all. I feel like they were just padding for time with the Joker stuff. Right. They didn't want us to forget about him. Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. Yeah, do you have any I, closing notes? I have closing notes, and then we should rate this episode. Basically, I know that fans jokingly suspect that there's some sort of intimate relationship between Batman and Robin... And maybe that's the case in the future, but really the Penguin was Batman's first love. And just, this was kind of a sad episode for me. The whole story was just about an unrequited love, and yeah, yeah. It's, it's sad. He gets to go off with the Penguin and do the happily ever after thing in his dream, but that's not real life. Yeah, and he has to wake up to the cold reality that is Gotham again. Yeah, anyway... Yeah. So so my rating on it, I actually really liked it. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Um, wow. Yeah. The only reason I didn't give it a 10 out of 10, honestly, is because I thought it was a little weird with the, the dream sequence. 
and the montages and the flashback, it was just a lot going on. But the music made me really happy. I thought it was a nice story, and it's really cool that they introduced that into their stories back then. You know, for, for 1992, that was kind of risque. Yeah, really progressive. Right. I personally thought the episode was a little too all over the place for me, mm. uh, and I don't I don't rate so heavily on the music, so yeah. that probably explains <laughs> I only gave it a 5 out of 10. Okay. Not the worst episode we've seen so far. Oh, yeah, no, no. But... Not. Yeah, but not not the best by any stretch. I'd say it's sort of middle of the road. Okay. Next time on Red Cow, mm-hmm. we will be discussing the next official episode in continuity of Season 1, Episode 5, Pretty mm-hmm. Poison. Right. And if you want to catch any more of JR and I, we stream together every Sunday over at twitch.tv slash hpbraincase. We play scary games together. I also stream on the channel throughout the week on my own. Mm-hmm. And just like everything else we do, this podcast is brought to you by... Your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash hpbraincase. Uh, if you want to find us other places, we're on Twitter. I am at jrskinnycat. And I'm at hpbraincase. And until next time, may your nights be dark and your cows be red. Bye. Bye. <laughs>